Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily, powered by Turning Point USA. Today is March 21st, 2023, Anno Domini. Last week, we had Libby Evans on this program, and we were talking about the kids. And it basically comes down to this. The kids are not all right. From the trans contagion to the issue with the labor force participation, dating, even driving. It's just not happening anymore. What's going on? So today here on Human Events, we're going to talk about it. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get into it. I want to take a second to remind you to sign up for the Poso Daily Brief. It is completely free. It'll be one email that's sent to you every day. You can stop the endless scrolling, trying to find out what's going on in your world. We will have this delivered directly to you totally for free. Go to humanevents.com slash Poso. Sign up today. It's called the Poso Daily Brief. Read what I read for show prep. You will not regret it. Humanevents.com slash Poso. Totally free. The Poso Daily Brief. Hi, I was once a trans youth, and now I'm a happy 22-year-old trans adult student at New College of Florida. This is my health care. Ma'am, okay. Don't tread on it. Senator Yarbrough has militarized the Florida GOP into the genital Gestapo. Ron DeSantis wants trans people dead. You are committing genocide. I grew up in Germany in the aftermath of Nazis, and what you people are doing is no different. This is transphobic, it is cruel, and you really should be ashamed. What you are doing by signing this bill is an act of war. The way it is as it is now, my people will die. And that blood, if you support this bill, will be on your hands. I'm 12 years old, I'm not buying it. If you pass this bill, many of us will die. I deserve to live as long as all of you. We are humans too. All right, now let me bring in Libby Emmons on this. Now, Libby, you and I were talking about this whole situation last week, and it sort of came up as a, a statistic that we were getting into. But I understand that you're working on a piece that I hope you're going to be publishing on humanevents.com uh, about how did we get here? So Libby, the floor is yours. Yeah, so I am working on a piece. Um, and uh, I think that it's really important to talk about what's going on with so-called trans youth. Um, and trans kids, which I think is really a fiction uh, made up by parents and educators and activists and men who really want you to believe that they are women. And everyone wants to know how we got here. How did we get to a place where men think they're women if they say they are, where parents seek to inject their kids with drugs to stop their natural development in service to the lie that human beings can change sex? And we got here through the weaponization of compassion, the emergence of a feminist fascism and a willingness to declare that lies are truth. Though threads of this movement likely go back further into the past than I can recall, I watched much of this emerge in my own lifetime. And we went from the political correctness movement of the late 80s and 1990s, uh, which I experienced in high school into the elevation of oppression as a virtue and straight into the grievance culture of identity politics. I think we all saw this happening. I think we could, you know, look at it and we obliterated our God. We told ourselves that reality is relative. And what we really did is we embraced death over life. And it started a lot of it, if you go back to abortion, the reframing of abortion as healthcare and the willingness to sterilize children and teens in order to help them achieve their goals, to remake their physical appearance. 
We have said as a culture that human reproduction is not as important or essential as looking the way you want or living without responsibilities or encumbrances. But really, these are adult perspectives and adult wants. And as a justification of those wants, adults foist them onto children. They have men in drag read to impressionable preschoolers, telling us this, this is so little kids know it's okay to be different, but actually it is leading, it is grooming, it is telling them not to trust their own bodies. Grown men like Rachel Levine tell us trans kids exist because those men want to believe that they are not living out a fetish, but that they were actually innately the opposite sex from birth. They mutilate our children in service to their own desires. Um, it's not reality. Universities and institutions have adopted and internalized these ideas. They pump out books and articles and graduates that seek to destroy our culture in the name of liberating it. Educators, librarians, artists, doctors, and politicians see themselves as activists in service to a mission, and we know that one cannot serve two masters at once. Our culture and its purveyors are slaves to ideology, and they refuse to see or acknowledge truth. So where does that leave us? I mean, it just, it makes you feel uncomfortable, right? Mm -hmm. And 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 there was something that, and you and I were talking a little bit before the show that when we got into this, it, it seems like people are... And I guess we've all kind of been guilty of this in a, in a sense, but people are are living their online lives in mm -hmm. their primary mode as opposed to living their real, actual, physical, you know, meat space lives um, yeah. first. And so in many of these cases, whether it be it started with Tumblr, it's turned into uh, Twitter to an extent, now TikTok, Instagram, but really TikTok, it, it's almost as if these online communities which seek to pervade these senses of thinking are then taking over th their lives and, and they are completely going yeah. into this. And, and so trans obviously I think is the most extreme example of it, but it's not the only example. And I want people to understand that. Yeah, it's not the only example. And a lot of what you're talking about certainly started back with Tumblr. Uh, if people remember Tumblr, which was, um, you know, the early version of this. And on Tumblr, you had a lot of people coming out as trans. You had a lot of community uh, embracing each other and saying, hey, you're really trans. And I think a lot of what happened too, as people went online to create their own avatars, was that we shut down real life during the pandemic. So we had three years where adults basically did whatever they wanted. They went out and protested, they wore masks or didn't wear masks or anything else. But we shut down schools, we shut down playgrounds of all the ridiculous things. We shut down churches, we shut down all of the places where children and teens can go hang out with each other. Parks in New York City were closed. Kids can't go anywhere if they can't go to the park. Arcades were closed. We shut down so many different things and all kids could do was go online to speak with their friends. This is all they could do. I remember as a parent being really um, conflicted because my son was not able to see his friends in person. He wasn't allowed to go to school. They weren't allowed to go to school. And his friend's parents were freaked out by COVID. I was not as freaked out as them at all. I was saying, let's all meet up at the park. Let's do this and that. Um, let's try, you know, even once parks got more open. Um, 
But my son ended up talking to his friends online an awful lot. And this is what so many kids did. And it wasn't just talking to each other, but talking to new people, strangers. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day who said that her child, uh, who is in high school, does not have friends at school. All of his friends are online. Another one of my friends, her Hey, Libby, daughter, we, we are just, hold, hold that yeah, thought. Okay. We are just about I to hit so our first break. I know, I know. I don't want to stop you. We are going to go on a commercial break, and then I want to continue immediately after this because, look, I've got kids as well, but yours are yours are, are older. They're, they're older. Your son is older. So I want to get into this. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Human Events Daily, Libby Emmons. And we're back here at Human Events Daily. Libby Emmons, you, I had to cut you off for the commercial break, but you were telling us a story about your son, the lockdowns, its effect on him and others. Please continue. Yeah, so it wasn't just my son who ended up locked inside during the lockdown pandemics while adults went and flitted about and did whatever they pleased from protesting to drinking out to doing whatever they wanted. Um, but we locked the kids inside and he spent all of his time, you know, when he was being social, it was online. Um, I have another friend I mentioned whose son, his only friends are online. And I had a, another friend whose child actually went through gender transition and lives as the opposite sex. And my friend was telling me that um, her daughter, uh, who's actually her daughter, <laughs> has had a relationship and that her daughter was very upset when the relationship ended. And I was asking a little about it, just inquiring. And it turned out that the entire romantic relationship had happened online and the two had never actually met in person. Uh, I found this rather stunning. I can understand certainly how the ending of a friendship like that um, would be difficult. But at the same time, why aren't these kids meeting up in person? Why aren't they even interested in being in the same place and holding hands and all of the other things that certainly marked our upbringings? Um, us older people and how we lived as teens. Well, you can't bring a kid, you can't bring kids to theater. You can't bring your kids out. And so it, it also speaks to something. And I've heard people talk about this as well, which they refer to as even more broadly than in the pandemic, the, the loss of third spaces yes. and what is a third space? And so a third space, the way I consider it, or the way that I've heard people explain it is a third place is it's not your home and it's not someplace you have to be. So it's not, it's not school. It's not church. It's, it is a place to hang out. It is a place to shop. It is a place to, <clears throat> to be entertained, a place to commune with others where you could, you could meet people. Um, it's, it's, it's not a, you know, you, you know, you can kind of argue back and forth whether or not, um, you know, supermarkets constitute third places. You know, if, if you're talking to any of the uh, the day dating gay guys, they would say yes, unequivocally. But I think most people just kind of look at it as sort of, a, you know, sort of essentials. But uh, bookstores, you know, used to serve this purpose as well. It's in many places. It can be. It can be. Church can be. I would say it's not work or school or home. It's Right. It's not work or school or home. It's a third place. Yeah. And so... Why is it, though, Libby, that we've been losing third places in this country? I think in a lot of ways, we've been losing meaning. And as we lose meaning, we lose the places that we are drawn to based on our own, you know, interests. So these could be the gaming places where kids would go and play chess, perhaps. I know that there's still one on McDougal Street uh, where people go and play chess. 
This is churches. Churches got shut down during the pandemic. And we've already seen that so many people who left church during the pandemic did not actually go back. Um, Church doors closed. And many of them, once they opened again, they had hardly as many people uh, coming back into those spaces. We also have lost our idea of doing things together, you know? So what are you supposed to do when you get together? Are you all supposed to sit around and stare at your phones? If anyone goes to a diner and they see teenagers at a By diner, the way, for the record, for the record, their phones. for the record, I did have dinner with a 76-year-old man last week and his phone sat on the table during that dinner, but they were not turned on once for the hours that we sat there. Not once. Yeah, I think more of us should do things like that. Uh, I have trouble doing that myself because I'm constantly on call for work. So if someone is, you know, needing <laughs> needing to talk to me, I tend to I tend to take. But Libby, who who you work at human events? Who could incessantly be contacting you at all hours of the night at by a phone and and text and uh, any other? Did I, I can't imagine who that would <laughs> can't imagine who that would be. When someone's like, I need this article up now. I need the headline. This is only going to be done in 24 minutes. You know, that's, um, that's all Barrett. Obviously, we're talking about Barrett. Yeah, it's obviously not you. No, of course not me. No, no. Barrett, sometimes Hannah. Sometimes Hannah. Yeah. Yeah. You know how she gets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not me. Pretty relaxing. Um, but yeah, third spaces. I have trouble coming up with a third space. Well, you know what else though, too, because you look, it's, it's also has to do with the way we've designed our towns or the, we've undesigned our towns, right? Mm -hmm. So we've undesigned towns in, in outside of cities, we've undesigned towns to be, uh, suburban sprawl and, uh, you know, strip malls and shopping centers rather than your town square, which would be centered typically around, you know, church courthouse. Then you'd have your businesses, then spokes off of that would be, would be the homes. And, and then you might, or you might have a secondary church or a school would be, would be there. And so um, this is something that people are actually starting to do in other parts of the country where they're building new towns and they're using the old system because a lot of zoning laws and developers and people got together and said they didn't want to build these things anymore. So that's what killed Main Street. So Main Street goes away. But then you at least had shopping malls. And so late 70s, obviously their heyday was 80s, 90s, uh, was shopping malls were amazing, where this became this new main street that people would go to congregate and shop and, and mingle. But then um, with the rise of the internet, that started taking away the shopping mall. And now it's even worse because you don't even need to go to the shopping center anymore. If you need, really need something, you just have someone deliver it to you from a piece of glass in your hand, right? You just, mm -hmm. um, you know, whether it's Postmates or Uber Eats or whatever, just Amazon in general, if you don't need it uh, immediately, we've gotten to the point where we're so incredibly atomized that I think, I think humans are yearning for social connection and it's not just kids. And this, you know, we talk about why aren't kids dating? Why aren't kids driving? Why are kids online more? Is, is trans coming up because of this? I think it's all of the above. I think it's literally all of the above. But folks, a lot of people complain about the state of our country or the way woke corporations treat us and their employees, but it's not enough to just complain. We actually need to change the way that marketplace works. And that starts with you, and how you spend your money.
In less than one year, Public Square has grown to be the largest platform of patriotic, freedom-loving businesses that this world has ever seen. Whether you want to support a restaurant that only buys from local farms, a coffee shop that took a stand against COVID mandates, or a bank that would never cancel you for your political views, Public Square is your guide. There's also an interactive, sensor-free community group where you can connect with other local members. Here's the best part. It's absolutely free to join. Just go to publicsquare.com, that's publicsq.com, and download the app today. Simply create an account and begin your search. You can also list your business for free so your local community can support you. Look, we can't always change the world, but we can change how and where we spend our hard-earned dollars. Begin your search today at Public Square, publicsq.com. So, you know, Libby, what, what was so worrisome in... In the 80s, the 90s, even the 70s, you know, you might be worried about your kids getting into drugs. You might be worried about your kids getting into a gang. Uh, you might be worried about your kids going to going to a concert, you know, in the Philly area. You know, I mean, I, I hung out in, in Philly as a teenager going to concert after concert after concert, every single venue in that city, you know, mm-hmm. twice <laughs> or more, you know, Electric Factory, how many times, right? But today, it's it's not the music industry or the the gangs or and and now drugs are still there that's that's obviously you know that's obviously still a huge even a worse issue now because they're so much more powerful and potent than they were in the past and and deadly with the rise of fentanyl but also you got big pharma involved mm-hmm. and big pharma isn't just trying to uh oh, I see where you're going. That's good. they're not just out there right they're not just out there hanging out the shingle saying, hey, come by. They're, they're targeting your kids. And that's where Big Pharma and the internet culture and the loss of third spaces, that's kind of where it all connects, isn't it, Libby? And so instead of, instead of oh, well, I, you know, I had a bad, you know, a bad breakup at, at, at school or something, and so I'm going to go hang out with my friends at the mall, now it's I had a bad breakup, so I'm going to go cut off part of myself. I'm going to go get a skin graft on my forearm. I'm going to go and, uh, or even in some cases, you know, you're, you're talking about pre-puberty in some of this. So, so, so walk us through a little bit about what actually is going on there when it comes to even the younger children. Yeah, there's a case in California right now where a young woman who had her breasts removed at the age of 13, 13. is um, suing Kaiser Permanente for that double mastectomy that uh, that she had, saying that she was too young to consent for that. And any 13-year-old girl is, of course, far too young to be able to consent to something like that. Um, it's shocking to see this. And then you have people on the left and they can't decide, the progressive left, they can't decide if these kinds of mutilations of our children never happen or if it's good that they happen. You have people advocating for gender affirming care like our illustrious President Biden right now who doesn't even know what it means. And when we say gender affirming care, that is a carefully constructed euphemism to say that, um, you know, Children should have access to this, what they call care. But what it really is, is chemical castration. It is stunted growth. It is the application of cross-sex hormones. And it is, in some cases, drastic surgeries that change your life and your body forever. There are so many cases now of young girls. And I'm speaking of young girls because... It is among young girls that a huge increase in trans identification has occurred. So you, you see do, young you girls, do see it with young boys too. 
To be you clear. do see it with young boys as well, but for young boys, they are not. Uh, the medical industry is not tending to um, invert their penises. I that's the term really. Typically, until the boys are seventeen or eighteen years old, which also is far too young for anyone to make that kind of determination. So when we couple the idea that children are, uh, teens are not dating, children obviously should not be dating, but when we couple the idea that teens are not dating with the uh, push toward their using their bodies to create their own avatars, um, and then growing up to find that uh, the, the idea that they could switch sex has actually been a total lie, we see how we got here, right? Because how can a person, a teenager who's never been on a date, recognize that they might want their body parts? Well, and, and the younger they get their... you, right? The younger they get mm-hmm. you, when you are faced with that lie, now you're hooked on prescription medication for the rest of your life. Uh, Biden's up there with Admiral Levine trying to mm-hmm. make this um, federal law that every insurer they're using Obamacare for this, by the way, under the ACA, they're trying to make it so that every insurance, every insurance pool in this country that you pay into. So you and I and Libby actually we're on the same insurance. Well, we're not, but we have to be, that's another, that's a different story. <laughs> You're a little personal there, but, um, but you will be paying into this so that every insurance pool will be, will be covered and potentially even, you know, for yeah. the, the disadvantaged, you might even have taxpayer services covering this. That's yeah. what they are and trying to enshrine in federal law now. Do have and, that. and and this Stay is, up. by the way, so this is the number one. This is what big pharma, and I'll use the phrase, and this isn't my phrase. This isn't my phrase. This is what the activist or whatever you want to call that thing at the beginning said, the genital Gestapo. This is the genital Gestapo. And you know who's behind the genital Gestapo? Big pharma. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. They are behind that. Um, And they are interested in creating lifelong patients. They're doing a great job. If you don't have kids who are on antidepressants um, and, you know, whatever else to treat their fictitious ADHD, which even the doctor who coined the phrase ADHD uh, has said that he basically made it up. So your kids are always going to be pressed to be put on something. Right, but how many kids got stuck on on, on the Ritalin? Would you never hear Mm -hmm. about that anymore? On Prozac, Mm -hmm. right? Suddenly it's, because this is what happens, is you have these designer drugs that come out, these name brand drugs, and then suddenly you also have all these doctors going throughout television, throughout the media, telling you about these, these, these terrible new disorders that you have to, you have to try the riddle. Ritalin's going to what it's, it's like putting eyeglasses on your brain. Remember that they say that it's like mm-hmm. eyeglasses on your brain. Um, that was one of the, it's, it's all marketing and somebody's yeah, getting and, rich and there's a know, reason they're all driving like BMWs. That, right. I mean, if you're going to take a bunch of speed, yeah, you're going to be hyper-focused, but that's not what your kids need. Your kids don't need speed so that they can be hyper-focused. They need to learn how to focus, learn how to use their brains. Uh, learn how to work with the intelligence that they have and figure out how to navigate life. They don't need to be drugged. Uh, we should know this. Puberty blockers are not attempt, do not result in uh, temporary changes. These are permanent changes. There are neurological changes. And moreover, doctors and the media used to know this. They knew this before 2016. Uh, there was an article today that I was looking at that a, a friend sent me from 2015 where PBS, far left PBS was talking about the difficulties surrounding medicine for um, children and teens who identify as transgender was talking about the components 
of um, brain development that happened during puberty with when hormones washed through the brain. It was talking about the various different risks and how careful doctors really need to be. And it noted also that Boston Children's Hospital was the first one to pioneer these early kinds of um you know, medical treatments, for lack of a better word, back in 2007. Libby, we are, we are just about out of time for the episode. Um, I I'm, I'm hope that this your piece can get up very soon, humanevents.com. Where can, else can people go to get your coordinates and follow you? I'm at Twitter, at, uh, on Twitter, at Libby Emmons. And you can find us at thepostmillennial.com and humanevents.com. Incredible. Libby Emmons, the editor-in-chief humanevents.com and the post millennial. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay ashore.